Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Good morning. I'm Fazia Costi. I'm an executive function coach here in Arizona. And actually, I work with uh, people from all over the country. So uh, I love um, sharing information with my listeners. And today we have a fantastic uh, opportunity to talk to Dr. Diane Johnson. Uh, She is the vice president of Snow College. And I just want to welcome you, Diane. Um, Thank you for being on the show. Thanks. I'm thrilled to be here. Excited to talk about um, things that help empower individuals. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to talking about um, the the topic we're gonna we're gonna tackle today is considerations for choosing an effective school for you or your child. And Diane is clearly an expert in this area. She is incredibly knowledgeable um, and and just really helpful too. She's an awesome human being. So she will definitely do amazing things, give you amazing information. And so uh, hopefully you'll learn something new today. Um, so Diane, just so that our listeners have a really good idea of who you are, um, please give us a little bit of, uh, more information about you, your background, your education, and, and feel free to talk as long as you need to. We have plenty of time. Sure. Okay, thanks. I am, I'm thrilled to be here. So um, as Fazia said, I am Dr. Diane Longhurst Johnson, and I have been an educator for about 30 years. And I have had a lot of experience in traditional and non-traditional education, both um, domestic and international education. I started my career as a special educator, uh, working with primarily mild and moderate uh, disabilities, and have always found a passion in finding ways to help those who don't exactly fit the options that are out there. I have personal experience with that. Um, My husband and I are parents of 10 children, yours, mine, and ours, ranging from age 44 to 13, and they're all unique and amazing. And some of them have had school-based challenges. Some of them have um, work-based challenges. Some, you know, everyone has challenges, and they also have tremendous strengths. And so over my years of experience in both K-12 and higher education, I have just seen a lot of... um, amazing human beings that would thrive in places where there are better options for them when it comes to schooling and education. And right now, there are a ton of different options available. And a lot of times we just don't know about it. And we also don't necessarily think we're empowered to make those choices for ourselves and be the master of our own education, if you will. So I have a PhD in education, curriculum instruction focus from Utah State University. I have a master's degree in special education uh, leadership from Brigham Young University and a bachelor's degree in special education, mild moderate from Utah State University. I also had the opportunity to get a graduate certificate in higher education assessment from James Madison University. So I've been very blessed with a lot of um, educational opportunities. I currently am the Associate Vice President of Online Learning and Digital Strategies at Snow College, which is a wonderful junior college uh, located in Utah. And I have um, I have my own consulting, coaching, and course development organization that seeks really to empower 
individuals through education, whether they're parents, their students themselves, or otherwise. The other part that makes me passionate about all of this is that um, I was a single mother of three kids and needed to go back to school. I had my bachelor's degree. This was certainly not a life path that I chose, um, but it is what it is. And I needed an option to go back to school. And at the time I was needing to do that, the only option was extremely expensive and I had to leave my life to go back to school. And that just wasn't an option. I had three little boys, you know, under the age of five. And um, so leaving life and just going to a traditional program and spending $100,000 on that degree was just not something I was going to do. So it's a lot of experiences personally that have led me to have a passion for looking at various forms of education, finding ways that it can fit in people's lives, whether you're, it's for your child or whether it's for yourself. I also um, you know, had a brother who passed away at the age of 26. His wife had to move in with her parents. They had a three-year-old son and go back to school and finish her education. I have my own kids who um, I have one who's quite dyslexic. He's brilliant when it comes to putting things together mechanically, but going to school in a traditional manner, very hard for him to do. Um, He's married, has a kid. He's very successful, but school was really hard. I have another child that has a language impairment. Um, He's an adult. And um, so it's receptive and expressive language. So um, that also has given me personal experience with how do we navigate a school system. And I have another one of my kiddos who has a real struggle with social anxiety. So, and I certainly had my own battles with anxiety as I was growing up. So probably way too much information about me, but I, I want <laughs> I, to give. I, I don't think so. I think I'm, I'm so thrilled that you're willing to share all this because most oh. people don't feel that open, you know, because yeah. you're really opening yourself up to the whole world. And, and I think it's, it's wonderful that you're willing to share so much of you to let others know that one size does not fit all. You can right. be diverse and still live a fulfilling life. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that. Um, I would say that uh, even in our choices of public schools, as I mentioned, the broad range in the ages of of the children that we have. Sure. um, My older three kids. um, So six of those kids are mine biologically four stepchildren um, of my biological children. Three of them went through a traditional public school model. And then as some of these new models of education evolved, my younger kids, because there's a pretty good gap um, between my first three kids and my last three kids, um, I actually had them in charter schools and in non-traditional schools. And sometimes it was online and sometimes it was blended. But um, it's really an interesting opportunity to see the difference in how having options for different ways to go to school has made such a big difference. And so anyway, um, again, super passionate about this topic and, uh, and wanting to help people have information that empowers them to make good choices um, for their children themselves, their lives. And my, um, yeah, I don't think I mentioned, so, so my, um, my coaching and consulting organization is called EduVentech. And um, it can be found, I have a website on eduventech.org. We can uh, do that. We have, I have contact information um, at the end. We can talk about it through. And I'm sure. happy to talk with people 
as private individuals just talking to me as a person and a consultant and a coach and a subject matter expert. And I'm also willing to talk to individuals who are interested in learning more about Snow College, our online initiatives, and um, and what we're doing there. We're serving some really unique populations there as well. So I have both the personal side of this, and then I have the you know the the formal schooling side of this, and I'm happy to work with anybody on either of those. So yeah, anyway, no, that's probably that's, a little bit about me. <laughs> that that's awesome, and I really appreciate you willing to share so much of yourself. Uh, with the audience. And and I know that you mean it. I know you're very genuine. So thank you for that. Uh, I would love to talk about learning models since since everything that we're talking about is based on learning models. Let's go ahead and talk about learning models, uh, the different types of learning models and, and why one might be better for one person as opposed to another. Sure. Um, would you like to start with maybe competency-based since that's something we both understand pretty yeah, well? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Let me um, let me give a little uh, little kind of an organization, a mental model for, for folks to follow us in the conversation. If Thank you, would. you. I would love yeah, that. Great. Yeah, perfect. So there are basically two kinds of education. Um, there are teacher-led models where really it's an instructor, a teacher, professor, leading all learners on a journey at this and they all go at the same time and they all go at about the same pace. Kind of like the traditional model of the teacher at the front of the room and kids sitting in chairs or desks. Okay. Exactly. Perfect. And then there's what are what's known as a student driven or learner driven model. And those are models where the students are choosing the learning journey. And it can be they're choosing their learning learning journey within a course or within a framework, but they still get to make choices about how they're learning things, what they're doing first, um, the way they want to show what they know, the pace at which they go. Students have a lot more flexibility as they move through the content. They can progress at a pace that works for them. Again, that's often within frameworks. So like if you start a course at the beginning of the term, you must finish it by the end of the term. It can't just go on forever, right? Um, Often you'll have um, asynchronous models. Asynchronous means um, not in real time. So someone who's watching this program or listening to it after we have done it live, that they would be doing that asynchronously. Um, Listening to us now live would be synchronous. So um, as it's happening. Yes, as it's happening, exactly. So student-driven tends to be asynchronous, but you can also have hybrid where you have synchronous, asynchronous blends. Um, Some examples of student-led models that are out there, and this is when I talk about this, um, I'll try to indicate which level it functions at. So Montessori is probably a, a learning model that a number of folks are familiar with. It tends to be early childhood. Um. And I've seen it applied in sometimes there are Montessori schools, sometimes there are schools that use Montessori um, practices, but it tends to be early childhood, but it's very much student-led, student-driven, discovery-based kind of learning. There's mastery-based education, which basically is uh, you practice tasks until you master them. And you don't necessarily have a lot of competency on those tasks coming in to the learning experience, but you practice and practice and practice until you reach a level of mastery. It's really getting away from, well, we're all going to do this activity and it's fine if you get a D or an F, we're just going to move on. In a mastery-based model, you have to meet a minimum threshold of, um, of competence. I always think of math when I think yep. of that. So you have to learn your multiplications before you can move on. 
Exactly. That's exactly right. And if you don't, there are some pretty significant consequences ongoing, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's going to make life a lot more difficult. Oh, so, so much, you know, and sometimes they're um, not to get off on a tangent, but sometimes there are reasons that people have trouble learning multiplication. And so um, when someone struggles with that, I hope that people will have an open mind about, well, it could be that we just need more practice. It could be that we need to learn this in a different way, or it could be that there is something that is um, cognitively or experientially or something that's impeding their ability to learn that. So sometimes um, there's some issues around there. Um, and that's a whole other show. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I okay. agree with that. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. There's competency-based education, which is, I have seen it at both the K-12 and the higher ed level. It certainly is alive and well in corporate training, military training, medical training. And competency-based education is really a model where there are established competencies that demonstrate what someone knows and then also sets a standard for how well they know it. And it is based in students' ability to demonstrate what they know. And that demonstration is how they pass a course or how they get credit or how they reach some sort of certification. And in competency-based models, generally, uh, there's a, uh, they use a, a series of assessments And by assessments, it can be a performance-based assessment where you have to do something and apply the knowledge that you have. That can be a live demonstration. It can be a proposal that you write, um, some sort of artifact. Um, They also use, you can use multiple choice tests, matching. Those are called objective tests. Um, And there are, you know, there are different ways to test. There are simulations. So I don't want anyone to misunderstand that competency. When I say competency-based education, I don't just mean you go in and take a bunch of multiple choice tests that are easy to cheat on, right? Not saying exactly. that. Yeah, it really is where you get to use what you already know to um, earn credit or um, earn a certification. And um, there are a lot of situations where you know a fair amount of information or you know a lot about part of what you need to do to earn a degree or earn a credential, but you need to pick up some other um, information learn that, and then demonstrate competence. So um, you and I are both super familiar with Western Governors University, which is- Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The whole institution was built on a competency-based model. So you can accelerate your progress as quickly as you can show what you know. And definitely a learner-driven higher ed model um, with wonderful support. You probably heard the, the phrases stage on the stage to represent traditional models, guide on the side, to represent how a faculty member interacts with the student who is driving their own education, certainly in competency-based education. And what was so interesting when WGU started, I think it was like 1998, um, I got involved in it in about 2004, and I was the founding manager of performance evaluation at the time. And when I left my cushy state job, I had a number of folks say, you are ruining your career by jumping over to this virtual school that's virtually empty. And I thought about that a lot. And a little scary. Was, I know it was a little scary. But I, when I really got to know the model, and it was congruent with what I had learned about effective education, 
And I'd had that personal experience where I needed an affordable option that where I didn't have to leave my life, you know, to go to school. And it also valued what I already knew, you know, by the time I um, was actually working on my master's and my doctorate, I had years of experience in education. So it would, um, I valued that kind of opportunity to be able to use what you already know to move through quickly. So, and it's um, a perfect fit, fit for so many women who are, you know, stay at home moms or a single mom, or, you know, a woman who maybe doesn't want to leave and go to New York and leave her family behind. Exactly. It's, it's just an absolutely perfect fit. Yeah. And when they started, they had, or when I started rather, they had about 2,500 students at WGU. And when I left, they were approaching about 40,000. And now I think they're, what, about 150,000 active students and 250,000 graduates. And, uh, you know, that model is really a tremendous opportunity. Is it perfect for everyone? No. Is it a great option for many? Absolutely. Is it quality education? Absolutely. <laughs> I was actually sitting in one of my doctoral classes at Utah State when, um, and it, again, my PhD is in education. So I was in the education school, teacher education and leadership. And um, we got the news that Western Governors had just won a national award for its uh, secondary education program. And um, the people in my class couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that Western Governors had actually won an award against traditional universities. And so it sparked a really interesting conversation about, well, how can it's online? How can it possibly be quality? And since we were in, you know, a doctoral level classes related to education, we had a wonderful discussion about how you take well-proven curriculum and instructional delivery models and you apply it in an online asynchronous environment. So um, I was really proud of our WGU team. I wasn't with them at the time. I had moved on and was the president of a smaller national university. But, uh, but anyway, it, um, it, it's a wonderful model. I'm certainly not here to pitch WGU, but it, both you and I know it's a great option, right? It is a great option. I, well, as you know, I did several different, I had several different roles there. And one of them yeah. was developing curriculum. And so, you know, one of the biggest projects I worked on was the Masters of Education, uh, yeah. developing that curriculum. And, and it, it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed developing that program. And so I know from my experience in seeing the curriculum from the perspective of a curriculum developer, sure, I thought it was great. I, I, I was very proud to, to work there at the time. Yeah. And I, you know, and these models when done well, and again, this is a whole other show probably, but um, <laughs> that alignment between outcomes and the standard of performance, and then building the curriculum backwards, you end up making a really efficient, effective model that um, makes sure that individuals know what's critical, what's important, what's nice to know, and but it really focuses on a well-aligned model, not any weird bird walks, not any, you know, and it's not that it's it's not fun and you can't be creative, but it makes sure that everything's aligned and aligned. And from an educational perspective, it means that you actually learn what you're in, what we intend for you to learn. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, you know, for people who just want to come in, get a degree and go to work, it yeah. gives you those competencies to actually do what you came there to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to other schools, I've seen other programs, and they don't all do that. So it's good to know. Right, right. 
And I think that um, one of the reasons WGU is so successful is because it meets learners where they are with what they need instead of forcing them into, well, this is what we offer and you need to, you need to fit in that. And if you don't, well, too bad for you. Right. And so I think that's a lot of the secret of their success. And we've certainly seen like Southern New Hampshire, um, Grand Canyon, Arizona state, some of these schools that have recognized that it's really important to give the educational consumer what they're looking for. You can still hold your high standards. You can still meet accreditation requirements and all of the good stuff that the Department of Education and accreditors require that industries recognize. But um, you really have to think about and it, how education fits into the life of a consumer, just like you do with any other product, and then meet them where they are. So um, anyway, that um, th those are some of the benefits of competency-based. All of the schools that I just talked about don't necessarily do competency-based, or that's one of their options. But um, the point is that they meet learners where they are. Another thing I wanted to talk about are some schools use what's called prior learning assessment. And this is really good for professionals where, um, where whether you've been in the military or you have been working in HR for 20 years or whatever, but you can come in and, and some schools will actually allow um, a verification of credentials and portfolios and other sorts of proof to demonstrate that you have already mastered objectives and courses or different things like that. That's usually, I don't know of any school that uses only prior learning assessment, but more and more schools are recognizing it as a valid way to document what someone knows. Um, and I know we're implementing yeah. that at Snow College. Um, and then there's also a new, um, I would call it ecosystem of credentials that, have, that aren't degrees, right? So we have certifications. We've seen that in the tech world for a long time. We're starting to see that in other um, industries as well. Badges, micro-credentials, stackable credentials, I'm working right now at Snow College. We have a tech ed school in addition to our academics. And so um, we have some companies in this area that use composites and they make bicycle parts and they make, um, there's parts that they use in uh, guns. There's parts that they use in helicopters, the aerospace industry. Um, they make prosthetic legs and feet. These companies, and there's just three of these companies need 500 employees in the next 18 months. Wow. And so, yeah, so we're creating micro-credentials and certifications that get right to the heart of what they need in composites. And uh, so, and, and, and we're like Amazon Web Services. Amazon is going to be paying for school for all of their employees. <clears throat> so, um, wow. yeah. And there are a ton of opportunities out there. Three of my kids right now are doing networking and cybersecurity. It's a certification through Snow College. Um, they get a Cisco certificate, an Amazon Web Services, the 20-hour certificate, and a cybersecurity certificate. And we're gearing up to teach the Amazon Web Services 96-hour um, certification. And so many companies use Amazon Web Services, right? And there are gazillions of jobs, well-paying jobs out there. So um, <clears throat> I, I think that more and more people are recognizing the validity of certificates, badges, and micro-credentials, stackable credentials, other ways of um, showing what you know to employers and employers are valuing them. And um, even as an entrepreneur, if you want to create your own business, you can, you can get certificates or training in um, QuickBooks, 
right? In basic shipping, all that stuff. So I hope people recognize you don't need to discount a program just because it's not associated with the school necessarily. One of the latest trends that I'm seeing is a lot of people, and you might have noticed this also on, on LinkedIn, a lot of people are quitting their jobs and starting off starting their own little companies or, you know, getting together with smaller groups and creating their own companies. So uh, this might be a really good option for somebody who wants to start their own business, but maybe doesn't have a well-rounded set of skills, maybe needs to add a security certification or something else to maybe better market themselves. So I think it's a fabulous idea. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like digital marketing, because honestly, and I know you do this with your show, it's how do you get the word out there that you're even out there? You know, I mean, how, right. how do you let people know that you offer this service? You do executive function coaching as a special education teacher and as someone who has really noticed some gaps in um, really amazing people, but they struggle in certain environments. And it's because of executive functioning. Who's doing that? You are. Not very many people are, but how do you get the word out that you're doing this? Well, even even though I'm doing this and I get the word out there, there's other people now that say they're doing it, but we don't do it the same way. We don't have, exactly. it, even though we might have the same title, we don't have the same job. Right. I know I do things very differently because my background, my skill set is very different. Yeah. You know? Which is and, wonderful. Yeah. And so it's it's very interesting because I do notice a lot of other people who say they're executive function coaches and they're really just a tutor that sits right. next to your child and helps them maybe organize uh, their calendar. And, right. and that's kind of the extent of what they do. Right. Whereas right. I work on, you know, improving processing speed and working mm-hmm. on, you know, organizing thoughts and just I have a much more robust program. So right. it's definitely interesting what's out there. Uh, we have a few minutes before we take a break. I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about your uh, your business. And if you're interested in, you know, do you want to offer anybody the opportunity to maybe get a consultation with you? Absolutely. So, um, and I appreciate you doing that. I offer uh, coaching, individual and small group coaching on everything from choosing the right school for you to how you get accommodations uh, for disabilities, how you work outside of that accommodation disability center and find ways to compensate. Um, I also provide coaching and connecting with different resources, you know, so whether it's, Hey, I can see that you have a situation with executive functioning. I know someone who can do that. Um, And I do uh, like school district consulting. So I do individuals, higher ed, K-12 corporate. Um, I do school districts, colleges, universities, um, and I also do uh, corporate. So that's the the coaching and the consulting. Um, I can even, I do assessment and curriculum development as well. And then I also am doing some um, webinars and some classes that will be up on Udemy and I think it's teachable that I'm putting those up pretty soon. And I have actually some, um, some webinars that I'm going to be doing coming up as well. So um, that's basically what I do. And I know it's a lot of things, but the, the focus is, and the reason my, my organization is called EduVentech, because it's educational ventures leveraging the power of technology. So it's not just ed tech, but it really is about empowering people through education, whether you want individual help, you need your organization needs help, um, or your company needs help, whatever it is, 
Um, we really are focusing on matching individuals with educational opportunities that help them meet their goals. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. And if, it, if you'd like to get in touch with Dr. Johnson, please go to her website, eduventec.org, eduventec.org. Um, so uh, don't miss our show next uh, next Wednesday, Parenting Pulse. Uh, we will be talking about bullying. So if that's a topic that uh, you'd like to hear more about, make sure you join us next Wednesday. Um, Dr. Sarah Bald, um, Mackenzie Douglas, and then we also have Dana Lamb joining us for that uh, particular episode. If you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to call me at 480-648-1122. You can also go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. On my website, you can look at... um, subscribing to our upcoming magazine, Executive Function Magazine. And uh, when you do subscribe, make sure you go back and click on the link once you get the email, because if you don't do that, you won't get the the actual magazine. Um, And we'll be back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fazia Costi is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fozzie works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fozzie, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fozzie Acosti or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executive function coach az.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. And um, I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are talking with Dr. Diane Johnson, Vice President of Snow College. Welcome back to the show, Diane. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm actually thrilled that you're here. And um, 
we've uh, we spent the first part of the show talking a lot about the learning models, the different learning models that are out there. What I would like to talk about next um, is what are the main considerations for for choosing a specific model? What is a you know the main consideration for choosing uh, the, a type of school? Does it matter you know for an, an adult versus a child? Uh, does it matter what age they are or sex or, or special needs. So can we talk a little bit about that and what, what models are best for which individuals? Yeah, absolutely. So every person is different and female brains work different than male brains do. Um, everyone has interesting strengths and weaknesses. So I'm actually going to go through some questions that people could ask themselves as they're trying to figure out what is it they want in their education in a school. And until you really think through that, it would be hard to pick a good school that works for you because you don't really know what's, what's critical, what's important to you. And oftentimes we don't even know to ask these questions. So um, I'll go through some of these questions. And if I can find a way probably to get these questions put up somewhere, I can potentially put them on my website or send them to you so that if people want to um, think about this. Uh, long term that they could have this list of questions that they could ask themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I would be happy to put those on my website as well. Great. Excellent. So, and these are questions that you would ask anyone, you know, so whether you are male or female or you're grown up, you have a lot of experience in school or you're nervous about school or you're looking for your child. Um, We're looking at K-12 early childhood um, or or older, or secondary school, these are the kinds of questions that you need to ask in any of those cases, okay? So the first question is, what are you good at in school? And when I say that, I'm not just talking about um, a subject matter. Like, I happened to be very good in English, very good in writing, very good in fine arts, math, not so much, right? And I also was very good at um, visual and auditory, uh, those those were the strengths that I had. Um, what subjects do I enjoy? And some of that, for little kids, it's a little bit harder because they haven't been in school. But let's say we're talking about early childhood. What kind of things do they gravitate to? You know, are do they like pictures? Do they like to put things together with blocks? Are they really, you know, are they watching um, are, are the kinds of things that they watch on YouTube or on, you know, on TV or streaming services? Or what kind of books do they like? Or, you know, just how do they navigate the world? And so you're just looking, trying to look for what is their orientation to their world? And every one of my kids and even my grandkids have very different orientations to the world. So, for example, um, I'll use a couple of my grandsons. I I have two grandsons that are um, on the autism spectrum. And one of them is um, very scientific and very... He loves space. He loves geography. For Valentine's Day, he walked in and said, look, Grandma, I made you a Valentine with Cambodia on it. And it had he had drawn so this cute. entire yeah, country of Cambodia with all the major cities. And for my, for my dad's birthday, and my dad was an engineer, uh, PhD in mechanical engineering. And so my grandson walked in and said, Grandpa, Look what I made for your birthday. And it was the entire solar system with all of the planets, their surface temperatures, their orbits, right? And um, and what we think their color to be. And so he his brain is very analytical. He's very scientific. Those kinds of the world around him really excites him. 
Okay. Another example is my, um, his younger brother who is four and um, he's also on the autistic spectrum, but he numbers and patterns, right? So he will, he will find numbers and patterns anywhere. And the way that he calms when they're trying to get, when my son and his wife are trying to get him to go to sleep, one of the ways that they help calm him down is he says, daddy count backwards from 200. Right. (laughs) I I never would have thought of that. I'm thinking play soft music, turn the lights down. Let me cuddle with a teddy bear. Right. That's me. But for my grandson, somehow the counting and the rhythm, rhythm of that is calming to him. Really fascinating. Right. And every one of us have those sorts of things that we enjoy and we navigate our world. And so that's why I bring up, what are you good at in school and in life? What do you, what subjects do you enjoy in school and in life? What's your favorite way to learn? I love visual and auditory, you know, and I love to listen to podcasts and I love to listen to audiobooks. and I can read, I read well, but I get so much more information by listening. And I'll give you a kind of a funny story. So um, I, was always really obsessed with getting good grades. And maybe that's why I've been in education for 30 years. Like I just love it so much, you know, and um, that might be a little weird, but anyway, it is what it is. I have a lot invested in this career. (laughs) Right. I'm laughing because I'm on the same path. (laughs) I know. Right. Yeah. But when I took chemistry in as a junior in high school, um, I, and I was always very, a very compliant, very dutiful student. And I, wanted to continue my great grade point average in, um, in my chemistry class. And I had a little emotional baggage. Like I always felt like, well, I can't be a cute girl. So I'm going to be a smart one. And, uh, you know, cause my, my family's very and just, just, just for our listeners. She's a very beautiful woman. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so, so I just, I was really committed to getting a good grade in chemistry. And so I went into my chemistry class Uh, And I was dutiful and exhaustingly so. And I took notes. You know, the teacher said the best way to learn chemistry is you need to take notes on my lectures and we're going to do the labs. And if you do that, you'll do very well. So I dutifully start taking notes. Right. And I am listening and I'm writing and all of that. And I got the first C in my life. C. (laughs) And for me, that was like I could do better than that. And I was devastated. Well, and yeah. what I learned about myself was that if I listened to a lecture and tried to write it down, you know, or write, take notes, I miss about 50% of what the teacher is saying. If I would have not, if I would have just listened and made associations in my brain with, okay, she's talking about this. I recognize that as being like this just listened, made connections, um, processed it in my mind, and then taken a few minutes and just jotted down a few keywords or something like that, I would have done so much better. But I had no idea that I was, my strengths was so auditory compared to listening and writing at the same time that, um, that I would have done better had I just listened and not taken all those notes. But when you're 17, you have no idea, right? And you're, you're going to listen to your teacher who gives you the advice. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, another funny story about the way my brain works. And I use this only 
to help people understand why I'm sharing the reasons that we need to think about these kind of things. When I was in my master's program, I was in a class and the teacher was explaining an assignment. And I struggled with ADHD myself. I'll just admit that. And I have what some people refer to lovingly as octopus brain. So that means I'm thinking about a lot of things all of the time. And it's just the way my brain interacts with the world. And so, and, you know, with attention conditions, it's not that I can't pay attention. It's that I pay attention to everything, (laughs) right? So I'm in this class. Hey, this is master's level. And I started my master's degree a little bit later in life. My teacher is explaining this assignment, and I can think of five different ways that I could respond to that assignment. And so I finally raised my hand and said, I'm just trying to clarify. You said this, this, and this. Um, Does that mean I should do X, Y, Z? And in this particular case, she said, well, actually, what I intended was for you to do ABC, not X, Y, Z. And I'm like, okay, so I need to do ABC. Yes. And then she said, she says, um, well, I think we can move on because now that you understand it, I know everyone else understands it. And I thought, what are you saying? (laughs) You know, but, but again, I point this out just to demonstrate how we need to be a little self-reflective, right? As we're approaching schooling. So so anyway, it's fine. You can all laugh. It's true. If I understand it, everybody else probably does. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know how I would feel about somebody saying that. I know, right? I'm like, wait a second. So anyway, uh, all right. So then then let's find out what is your favorite way to show what you know? Like, do you like to build models? Do you like to create projects? Do you like to apply what you know? Do you like to write about it? You know, do you like to just take tests about it? Do you like to talk about it? Um, So what are your favorite ways to show what you know? What kind of extracurricular activities do you enjoy? Is it really physical? Do you like to do athletics? Do you like music? Do you like um, reading and writing? Do you like hobbies, art, being outside? Do you like to uh, ride your bike? You know, what extracurricular things do you enjoy? Do you have particular things in school that you are exceptional at? Like, you know, I, I happen to win a couple of science fairs. Um, I also was able to play the piano. I was blessed with the opportunity to learn how to play the piano. And I love to associate school with music. And then also, and I mentioned one of my challenges as well, but do you have a disability or illness that impacts school, Right. So is it a learning disability? Do you have a physical disability? Do you have a health impairment? Do you have an emotional struggle? You know, one of my sons, um, and I mentioned I have six biological children. I have five sons and one daughter. And one of my sons has debilitating anxiety. And so when he was in junior high and high school, particularly, when he would get in a situation that was just emotionally overwhelming for him and he was so anxious, he would just shut down. And so he had, we had a hard time getting homework done. And even he would tune out from the class because he was having this incredible anxiety response to whatever was happening. And if you know very much about those kind of anxiety issues and emotional issues, you basically have something that triggers triggers you and your brain, especially your frontal lobe is flooded with adrenaline, right? And so it kind of paralyzes you and it's an absolutely real thing. It's an absolutely physical response 
And it functions as what's called a facilitator inhibitor. So it's in, inhibiting your ability to make decisions and process information. And it was so, so difficult for him that, um, that it really affected his school functioning. So we ended up getting a 504 plan, the Rehabilitation Act. Um, a 504 allows for accommodations for things like that. We could have put him on an individualized education plan. We opted not to do that for him. I have done that with some of my older kids. But that really impacted him. Kiddos that have cancer. My daughter had a really great friend who got leukemia as a junior in high school. And that really impacted her. And she was going to traditional high school, right, on a traditional schedule. That really impacted her ability to do that. People who are, um, what are the life conditions that you might have that make it harder for you to go to school? You know, is it, if you're a grown-up, is it that you're trying to balance working full-time, personal responsibilities, and going to school? Mm-hmm. Is that you don't have access to technology um, easily, or um, you have, uh, my daughter has, what's well, my niece actually has a friend whose parents um, both lost their jobs as a result of COVID shutdowns. And then um, only one of them has been able to get employed again. And so my niece's friend is having to um, take fewer credits in college because he has to work more to help support the family. So none of this comes with any judgment, right? We don't want to make judgments about, oh, this is good or bad or whatever. It's, it's just taking a look at what are your life circumstances that make this, make going to school a little bit harder. At Snow College, for example, we're working with some really incredible football players from Arizona. I don't remember if I shared this with you, but, um, but to, to qualify to play in these football clubs, they have to go to college. And so they're going to Snow, uh, Snow College online. And some of the challenges are um, around basic needs. We have one kiddo that came from Washington, D.C. in a homeless, from a homeless shelter, and he's now living in Arizona, um, wanting to play football and wanting to go into school. But he's, um, he's dealing with basic need issues, right? Are all of his basic needs mm-hmm. being met? We have some other kids who, um, again, playing football, but they don't have access to technology. So uh, that makes it more difficult for them. One of the, the young men just got married. So he has a new family that he's um, trying to hold together, working full-time, playing football, and going to school. Again, no judgment, but just take reflecting on what are the things that might make it more difficult to go to school. And you need to think about that as you pick a model that fits for you. Do you want schedule flexibility? Do you need that? Is that something that you want? Do you want to have um, be able to study in different places at different times? And the example I'll use there is, my father died from complications of COVID in May. <clears throat> My parents live in Cedar City, Utah. I live just north of Salt Lake City. I'm sorry I'm, about that. Thank you. My, um, I'm the oldest child and feel, feel some uh, responsibility to help my mom. So I have been having to split my time between um, Bountiful, Utah, <clears throat> north of Salt Lake, and Cedar City, Utah, which is in southern Utah. Thankfully, um, my 13-year-old, Uh, is going to school. He's going to a military academy, actually, but we're doing a fully online program. So during the weeks that I need to be in Cedar City with my mother, my son comes with me, brings his computer, and he can do all of his school in Cedar City. Then when I am, when, when we come back to our home in Bountiful, he does all of his schoolwork here. If I needed to go back and see my sister in South Carolina, for some reason, we could take Luke could grab his computers and we could go, we could do school in South Carolina. So it allows you that flexibility that you wouldn't get if he was in a traditional school. 
Absolutely. And, and with this child also, this is kind of a funny story, but it goes along with this. Um, and it's the next question on my list, actually, what level of autonomy do you want over your own study? So when my youngest was um, in first grade, so we, it was the first day of first grade, we drive up to the school and he says, mom, I'm not going in there. Okay. The kid is six, right? Six years old, not going in there. <laughs> well, why aren't you going in there? This is school. We're going to do school. And he said, at this school, they tell me what I have to learn and how I have to learn it. I should be making those decisions. I mean, the the kid was six years old. He comes from a very bright family. So he understands education and that that's not the only choice he has. Right, right. And I was just shocked, but it's been super interesting because I have thought about that a lot as we've made school choices with him. And he really is someone who is a self-directed learner and he has specific interests and he loves to learn like YouTube tutorials are his favorite. Anything, And he just is this information collector, you know, my husband collects Coke memorabilia. He collects (laughs) cool rocks and sticks, right? Luke collects information and uh, you know, and he loves that. So anyway, um, do you want, what level of flexibility do you want? What kind of autonomy do you want over um, what you study and how you study it? And, it go, you know, do you want to be able to study anywhere, anytime? Do you want to be involved in school activities? Like, do you want to do extracurricular stuff? Do you want to do um, choir or theater or debate or um, there's service learning opportunities, there are humanitarian volunteer efforts, there are athletic teams? Is that something you want to do? Or you're somebody who's like, no, you know what? I just don't really need to be on an organized team. I can find that in my community. Um, What kind of school culture are you seeking? This is a super important one. Um, Part of the reason that we have chosen to go to a military academy, it's a charter school in Utah. The reason we chose that um, for our youngest two kids, actually, one, it's a leadership development school. I don't know that either of these two boys are going to end up in the military. It's affiliated with the Air Force. Uh, I think they have also have a, an Army-associated um, campus, but uh, it's a leadership school. High standards of conduct and behavior are required of everyone. Um, they honor individual student choice, but they also expect res- respect and appropriate behavior in school. They value the country, the constitution. They want people to be informed citizens. They welcome diversity. There are multiple ways that they value different cultures, backgrounds, ethnicities, um, life experiences. They work on the whole student. And I had one student there when we were doing a a visit to see if we wanted to pick that school. And so he, um, he, I was talking with him, he was giving me a tour. And I said, so why did you choose to come to this school? And he said, I was getting into a lot of trouble at my other schools. I tended to get in fights. And um, I, he said, and I apologize for this, but I had a tendency to be a bit of a bully. And some of that was to cover up that he had trouble in school. But he said, at this school, I'm the best version of me that I can be, right? And that That just warms your heart, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And so he owned his behavior at a prior school 
but he was able to articulate to me why he was the best version of himself. So, you know, so that's why school culture is really important. Um, I, my other, uh, two of my other kids went to um, an international charter school where they valued student autonomy, where they valued, again, valued diversity, very open thought. They had um, really unique high participation rates in, in their choir programs and theater um, individuals. It was kind of like you could be a big fish in a little pond. So um, my daughter, who tended to be really shy, um, ended up being a student body officer there. She ended up playing on the basketball team. She ended up being in the orchestra. Um, she ended up being a Sterling scholar in photography. And it's not because, you know, she's, of course, she's my daughter and I think she's wonderful, but, um, but she, at that school, the typical stereotypes that you would imagine someone who's going to be a student body officer, she actually ended up being the homecoming queen too. Wow. Right. Um, and, and I do need to, we just need to wrap it up okay. a little bit because we're, sure. uh, we've got two minutes left. If, if, go ahead and finish your story and then we'll go ahead and wrap sure. it up. Anyway, so, so that made, um, that made all the difference for her. So just a couple of other things quickly. What kind of interactions do you seek with teachers and other school personnel? What are you looking for in a school environment that's congruent with your values? Are you looking for a school environment that values differences and respect for all? Do you prefer traditional face-to-face -face, online or blended classes? And ultimately, after you answer all the questions, and we have a lot more information I'd be happy to share, when you're making a decision, you're thinking about what's critical for me to have in a school experience, what's important for me to have in a school experience, what's nice for me to have in a school experience, and you get laser focused on what's critical. And Thank you. You, know, you stand up for that. Thank you so much, Diane. Um, and we'll go ahead and put this information up on, on my website as well, and it will link to yours. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with Diane Johnson, Dr. Diane Johnson's um, website is eduventech.org. Um, and I really appreciate you spending time today sharing your wonderful knowledge and expertise with our listeners. Um, I personally think you're awesome. So thank you. Um, Likewise. Yeah. And so uh, we'll go ahead and put that information up on our website probably in the next week or two. Um, if you'd like to go and take a look at it, my website is executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And um, once again, um, Dr. Diane jo Johnson's website is eduventech, E-D-U-V-E-N-T-E-C.org. And don't miss our show next week on Parenting Pulse. We will be talking about bullying. So have a fantastic week and we will um, see you next week. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.